Anybody who loves religious liberty and loves freedom of speech should hate hate crime legislation. My name is Ron Johnson. I'm the senior pastor here at Livingstone's Church. According to the FBI, hate crimes occurred in every state in the United States in 2016. From murder to harassment and vandalism, it's happening across the country. But not every state has a hate crime law. I'm Storm Jones. This is Hate in America. In this chapter, hate crime laws, how they're created and enforced, and what the statistics do and don't tell us. Ron Johnson pastors the Living Stones Christian Church in Crown Point, Indiana. His state, along with Arkansas, Georgia, South Carolina, and Wyoming, are the only states in the nation without hate crime statutes. And Johnson is working to make sure Indiana stays on that list. Hi, this is Ron Johnson with you again from the Indiana Pastors Alliance. We're highlighting some reasons why we need to hate hate crime legislation. Last year, he made a series of videos churches sent out to parishioners urging them to tell lawmakers to vote against a proposed hate crime law. And so far, his efforts have worked. The Indiana legislature has killed hate crime legislation in the three last legislative sessions. Let's stop talking about persecuting the LGBT. It's not happening. It's not happening. We have a tiny minority of people who claim that status, who are everywhere in America, have more rights currently than anybody. These people are not being persecuted. But that's not true. According to News 21 analysis of the National Crime Victimization Survey from 2012 to 2016, it's estimated that around 280,000 hate crimes may have been committed against people because of their sexual orientation in the United States. Why are we trying to fix something that's not broken? The only reason you're fixing something that's not broken is so that you can use that tool to beat in submission anybody who happens to disagree with your viewpoint. Most of the 45 states with hate crime laws designate race and religion as motivations that could be prosecuted as hate crimes. 11 states don't include sexual orientation, and 33 don't include gender identity. And how each law enforcement agency handles cases of possible hate crimes varies almost as widely as the laws themselves. For the most part, it's up to each local police department, sheriff's office, and state police to file and report hate crimes. Each geographical area is different. And in some areas, you have the more, more verbiage, and where in other areas, you have more physical assaults. And they tend to have more physical assaults when gangs are involved. That's Detective Christopher Keeling. He's the hate crime coordinator for the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. He says law enforcement has changed the way officers are trained to respond to crimes. 
On these charts are shown some of the most vulnerable areas of the human body. Areas in which a well-directed blow will render an opponent temporarily helpless. The baton should be directed against the side of the neck. The clavicle. That's from a 1963 L.A. County Sheriff's training video. Keeling says today officers have learned the best way to police their communities is to be out of their patrol cars more and engage with the public. We know that in our, in our studies and in our investigations and talking to people that hate crimes are definitely message crimes. Okay, and it's expressed when we talk to them as for why didn't you report it, they'll tell us straight up. I felt victimized because of what happened to my brother or my family member or my friend. And not having a, a positive relationship with law enforcement in the past, I don't want to be victimized again because I think I'm being judged by the person that's taking the report. And, and like I said, we do everything we can to try to convey that that's not the case. And that's where our training comes in when we talk to other liaisons and other detectives. Okay? We have to show empathy when we talk to the victims. But Keeling says building those bonds with the public can be difficult, especially when members of the community are worried about deportation. Well, in regards to the fear with the, with the Latino community, it's here. It's, it's no doubt it's here. And, and the only way we're going to diminish that fear is by addressing that fear. Uh, acknowledging that is there, and also that gives an opportunity for them to express their fear to us and also gives us an opportunity to express to them how we're not concerned about their immigration status. And the only way we're going to do that is through dialogue. According to a state auditor's report, a California law prohibits law enforcement from detaining, reporting, or turning over hate crime victims and witnesses to federal immigration authorities as long as they're not being charged or convicted of certain crimes under state law. As far as I know in regards to the Sheriff's Department working with the immigration or ICE, I'm the hate crime coordinator. I've never been told that we are obligated in any kind of way to, to uh, work with ICE. As far as ongoing crimes that's occurring and reported crimes, I know of no method that's used where we have to report to ICE on anything. We in law enforcement take all hate crimes and hate incidents serious. It's not something that we just do just because it's our job. We do it because we care. Uh, and building a relationship with the community is by far our top priority. The more we report it, the more we can educate people and stop it. If, if, if a, a female is assaulted because she's a female, that affects me because I have a wife, I have a daughter, a mother, I had a mother you know, and I have a sister. So it affects you. All, all crimes affect us, you know, because we can all, as, as detectives and cops, put ourselves in that victim's place. So, but over time, you learn to deal with it. Okay, so we try to hide it, but over time, it takes its toll. It takes its toll. In 2016, law enforcement agencies reported more than 6,100 hate crimes to the FBI's annual hate crime report. Now, this kind of reporting is voluntary, and about 85% of agencies willingly submit the crime information, but a few thousand departments choose not to contribute to the FBI report. Roy Austin is the former Deputy Assistant Attorney General of the Department of Justice's Civil Rights Division, he says the FBI numbers are useless when it comes to measuring the number of hate crimes in America. So the, the first problem is, is that it just doesn't matter. Uh, if someone reports 
false hate crimes numbers, no one cares. There is no one in the FBI, there's no one in lo state and local government, there's no one who says to them, these numbers don't make any sense. Can you, uh, can you explain why your numbers are what they are? He says not only do the numbers not add up, there's no reason for law enforcement agencies to even make sure the math is close. I've heard a number of excuses for the poor numbers that are presented. None of them any good. One of the big things is we don't want to uh, show that we have a certain number of hate crimes in a community. That makes a community uh, a place where people may not want to visit or people will think that uh, there are a lot of racists in a particular community. Well, you put out accurate numbers so that you can address the problem. You don't put out accurate numbers because it increases your tourism. Uh, that's not the point of it. Uh, you've heard people say that it costs money to do it. And it really doesn't cost any money that it shouldn't cost to simply have accurate statistics. And so that's an excuse that, that, that doesn't fly right by me. But what's the point? Why do these numbers even matter? Well, Austin says quicker, more accurate numbers help people hold law enforcement accountable for the way cases are handled. He says it also helps law enforcement understand when specific communities are being targeted and how to better serve them. There's no reason why you shouldn't be able to have real-time reporting of hate crimes. And if you do transparent, real-time reporting, your numbers are going to be better because someone's actually going to be paying attention. And they're going to say, wait, 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 wait. That happened to me yesterday. Why is it not showing up? Or that happened to me a month ago. Versus someone who, if it happened in January of 2016, it's now 18 months later, and the numbers don't make any sense. It's just a, a number that is counting everything. So it says there were 10 hate crimes. I have no idea whether they counted mine or they didn't count mine when it says 10. Austin says until something changes, it's hard to tell just how many people in the United States are targeted because of the color of their skin, the religion they practice, or who they love. The only people who law enforcement will ultimately listen to are the public. And if the public actually demands better data and understands why it needs to be demanding better data, I think law enforcement will actually be responsive to that. I'm Storm Jones. News 21 fellows Carly Lanick. Angel Mendoza, Connor Murphy, and Rebecca Walters also contributed to this chapter. Hate in America is part of a larger project produced by Carnegie Knight News 21, an investigative program headquartered at the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism and Mass Communication in Phoenix, Arizona. This year's project was produced in partnership with ProPublica's Documenting Hate Initiative. To submit a report about a hate incident, visit ProPublica.org. In our next chapter. I grew up with no self-esteem. I was angry, didn't like myself, didn't like anyone else. And I was looking for something to fit into another family. And of course, the Ku Klux Klan was right there in my backyard.